What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schellmler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, November 6th. I'm really looking forward to today's show. Some of the topics include the biggest surprise in the NFL this year, a lot of WSU football, a lot of Cougar football. Could WSU be getting a new quarterback? And who is the Heisman winner? My name is Zach Schellmler. I want to start with this. Last night, and this is ultimately a WSU Cougar football story. Um, last night, I saw Thor Ragnarok. Great movie, really funny. I recommend it. I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite superhero movies, actually. Um, but Thor started an interesting debate in my head because I sat down and I observed a phenomenon. We've all been to movie theaters. We have all gone to a movie theater, sat down, and I observed something that we've all done. We've all seen it happen, and I thought it was really funny, and it really reminded me of Luke Falk. The way movie theaters are laid out, you sit down, there's like always a guy next to you with a armrest in between you. And we play this, we play this little dance. Who gets the armrest? Because one of us is, sometimes we sit next to a really big guy. And the big guy is imposing and we're like, no, no way, I'm not even going to try to get that armrest. I know the armrest is all his, he's bigger than me, he can do whatever he wants. Sometimes you sit down next to a friend and you jokingly push each other around and you just take it from me. Um, But the point is, the alpha male always gets the armrest. The bigger guy, the more stronger guy with more presence that's who gets the armrest. Unless you have a civilized conversation and the guy's like, you can have it, I don't want it. Um, I love Luke Falk. Luke Falk is the best quarterback in the history of Washington State football. He's probably the best football player in the history of WSU football. And, oh, God. I know, I'm going to get so much hate for this. I'm going to get people saying, you're a hater, you don't like WSU. It seems like anytime I don't say the words, woo, go WSU, I get attacked and I get hate. I'm not a hater of WSU. I'm realistic, and I'm honest, and I call it like I see it. I, I love WSU football. I just I talk about things when I notice them. So bring it on. I'm ready for your attack. I'm ready for your hate. Even though even though Luke Falk has amazing numbers, his, his numbers are incredible. And Luke Falk has a great story. Luke Falk, had, he walked on at WSU. He's a great, great story. And even though at times he's absolutely dominated in college games. Not every game, but a lot of games, he dominates. Luke Falk is not going to be much of an NFL quarterback. And that really shouldn't be an outlandish or ridiculous thing to say. I know that that sounds controversial. It's not. That's that's a widely held belief. Look at Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is a widely celebrated quarterback in the state of Texas. And Colt McCoy, not much of an NFL quarterback. Look at JT Barrett. JT Barrett, Ohio State's current quarterback, one of the best Big Ten quarterbacks ever. He's statistically the best Ohio State quarterback ever to play the game. And yet, he's not going to do much in the NFL. We're aware of that. He's not a pro talent. He does not translate well to the NFL. Statistical success does not mean you will be a great NFL quarterback. One of the things that I measure when I when I meet quarterbacks, and, and the most important Not the most important thing, but one of the most important things is presence. Does your quarterback have presence? What I mean is when your quarterback walks in the room, when Russell Wilson walks in the room, when Tom Brady walks in the room, they have this magnetism to them, this energy, this glow. The room revolves around Russell Wilson. He's not doing anything. He's just being himself. It's who he is. Russell Wilson has presence. Luke Falk does not have presence. Luke Falk is the guy in the sweatshirt in the corner that's 
bland. He's fine. Nothing wrong with him. He's not a bad. It's not negative by any means. But Russell Wilson walks in. Bam. He's just got the spotlight on him. I had the the amazing pleasure of being around Sam Darnold before he was Sam Darnold. Before Sam Darnold was USC's quarterback and this number one recruit. I was there the day that Trent Dilfer discovered Sam Darnold. Trent Dilfer said, oh my gosh, you're a big deal. Come over here. Um, I watched this whole development of Sam Darnold go from some kid in Arizona to, oh wow, you should really be a college quarterback. But before I knew who Sam Darnold was, we all knew Sam Darnold was something. Because on the football field that day, everything revolved around Sam Darnold. And I mean, Blake Barnett was there. Uh, Big name, top recruit quarterbacks at this camp. Ross Bowers, Cal's quarterback, was there. Connor Neville, quarterback here at WSU, was there. Sam Darnold just had this presence, like a magnetism to him. You're like, oh, wow. In fact, I didn't know who Blake Barnett was. I thought maybe, because I heard about Blake Barnett is so great. I thought maybe, is that guy Blake Barnett? Because that guy is killing it and everyone's watching him. I know that was Sam Darnold. Before Sam Darnold was Sam Darnold. Luke Falk, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about Luke Falk, but Luke Falk is not the guy that gets the armrest. Luke Falk is a guy that doesn't even make, he doesn't even try for it. He doesn't have the presence to get the armrest at a movie theater. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I'm rooting for Luke Falk. But history's not on Luke Falk's side. Look at the quarterbacks that have played for, just alone look at the quarterbacks that have played for Texas Tech and Mike Leach. Look at Connor Halliday, set up numbers, nothing. Look at Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of Texas Tech, not a great NFL quarterback. Look at Graham, uh, what's his name? Uh, Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell's not a great NFL quarterback. Never was, never will be. So the system he's coming from doesn't help him. Not to mention... Numbers don't help you either. Look at the stats. Look at the Pac-12 record books. Sean Mannion, Connor Halliday, Matt Barkley, Nick Foles, all the guys are on the same list as Luke Falk. Passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions. Luke Falk's on all the same list they are. None of those guys did great in the NFL. Look at the yards leaders in all of college football. Case Keenum, Jimmy Chang, Landry Jones, Graham Harrell, Kellen Moore. Not great NFL quarterbacks. In fact, you could argue Case Keenum's the only one that's even done anything in the NFL. And add that to the fact that Luke Falk really is not playing that great. I haven't seen anything that impressive from Luke Falk. I've been here for four months now, and I still have I've yet to see Luke Falk absolutely dominate. I've seen this team practice. I've, I've sat up atop. You can kind of watch them practice. Not seen Luke Falk dominate. And Luke Falk has been pulled out of games Two times this season. Now, my only question is maybe, is maybe Mike Leach just really hard to play for? Because I I could totally see that. I can 100% see Mike Leach being just a difficult person to work with and a hard person to play for. But he also could just be a product of a good system. Maybe Luke Falk has really good numbers. And this is what I think is more likely. Luke Falk has good numbers because he throws so much and he plays in Mike Leach's system. Because I really haven't seen Luke Falk throw it downfield this year. I haven't seen him take chances. I don't know what's going on. Is he trying to protect his completion percentage? Does he want to finish on a high note? I know that last year watching Dak Prescott doing the Dak and dunk, which is he wasn't throwing the ball downfield very much. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions. He wasn't going to lose you a game, but Dak Prescott wasn't going to win you a game last season. This season, Dak Prescott could win you a game because he's taking chances. Yes, Dak Prescott is throwing more interceptions this year, but that is because... He's throwing the ball down 
downfield. He's taking chances. When you throw the ball downfield, you have a higher risk of throwing an interception. That's how it is. But you got to take chances to win. And Luke Falk hasn't done that this year. He has not let it rip. He's not tore anyone up this year. He's been very conservative. I don't like that. You know, I think Luke Falk is a lot like Tom Brady. I think they're very similar. I think it's possible. Luke Falk goes in the sixth round and makes a team and someday contributes something because, I mean, he has really fought against adversity his entire career. I, I believe in him uh, possibly gaining. I, I don't think Luke Falk will be a good NFL quarterback, but I, I hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. Luke Falk, if you're watching this, I'm really sorry, man. I don't believe in you, but prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong because you fought so hard to get to WSU. You broke every record. If you could do the same thing in the NFL, oh my God, I, I would be so happy. I'd be ecstatic for you. But I don't think Luke Falk has it in him. I don't think he has the inner fortitude and the presence of mind uh, to be an NFL quarterback. Not to mention he's really struggling throwing the ball. He's making bad decisions. He's not playing very well. So I don't think Luke Falk will be a great NFL quarterback. Um, I think that's a pretty easy debate. I don't think that should be that controversial. It is apparently, but it shouldn't be because Luke Falk is not showing what he needs to show to be a top NFL quarterback. Ohio State. Ohio State really let me down. I'm upset. I'm, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. It, it stinks. This weekend, Ohio State, the team I picked to win the national championship um, was upset by Iowa, 55-24. to This is right after beating Penn State, having this great statement win where Ohio State beat Penn State, and we thought, wow, Ohio State's going to win the national championship. They're going to win the Big Ten, and then they slip up to Iowa. Not to mention, not only did Ohio State lose, this weekend Penn State also lost. Penn State lost 27-24 to to Michigan State. So the current top five in, the, in college football right now is Alabama, number one, Georgia, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Clemson, number four, and Oklahoma, number five, with Wisconsin out there as number six. Now what's interesting about the Big Ten the Big Ten has four teams that are 7-2. and two. We have Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, and Michigan. And then Wisconsin on the other side of the bracket. That's the, the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. Wisconsin is 9-0. and They haven't played a lot of tough competition. I'm excited to see them play in the Big Ten championship game. But my whole point of this entire rant is that one of the Big Ten teams needs to be in the college football playoff. We preach all the time. All we say is, does that team have a good strength of schedule? The Big Ten is the best conference in college football. The best conference in college football. So that means if you play a Big Ten schedule, your schedule is loaded. You're not playing an easy schedule. You're playing a tough schedule. You're really challenging your football team. Again, four teams are 7-2. and two. Wisconsin's undefeated. The Big Ten is the best conference in college football. That's why I support Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. I don't like Notre Dame. But Notre Dame plays a tough schedule. I I, I respect that. This is why the Pac-12 is eliminated from the college football playoff at this point. There's five Power 5 teams. And there's also an independent team this year. So that means probably, likely, unless Notre Dame loses, two conferences are going to be cut out of the college football playoff. UW is the best team in the Pac-12. And UW plays an easy college football schedule. That means UW's out. The Pac-12 isn't going to have a team representing them 
in the college football playoff. A two-loss Big Ten team should still make the Big Ten. Uh, sorry, a team that wins the Big Ten with two losses should still make the college football playoff. Because there's no competition in the SEC. There's not the same competition in the Big Ten. Not the SEC. Not the ACC and not the Pac-12. The Big Ten is the best conference in college football. And under no circumstance, under no circumstance, should two teams from the same conference both make it into the college football playoff. I'm looking at Alabama and Georgia. They should not both make it in. Because if you can't win your own conference, why should you get a chance to win the national championship? That's my whole argument against the 18 college football playoff. Why have eight teams when half of those teams in the eights, or at least at least three of the teams in the eight, had a chance to win their division and lost? If you can't win the Big Ten, why should you even have a chance at the national championship? That's why going from four to eight teams makes no sense to me. We need to count the SEC championships. We need to count these conference championships as part of the college football playoff. Because you wouldn't want to see Georgia play Alabama in the, the SEC championship game and then three weeks later come back around and play each other again. That makes no sense. They already had their shot. Whoever loses that game is out. Don't, don't put them in the college football playoff. It makes no sense. Because conference championships are an extended part of the college football playoff. Like Miami and Clemson, they beat each other up. The Big Ten beats each other up. The SEC beats each other up. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's now eliminated. They lost Oklahoma. The only team left in the Big 12 that has a chance is Oklahoma. That's why the Big 10 needs a conference championship. It gives them a chance to showcase, hey, this is the best we got. They won. They beat the other teams. They beat you know North and South or whatever it is. Divide up the Big 12. Give them a conference championship. Does that make sense? We should not have two teams from the same conference in the top, 20, in the top five. It makes no sense, at least not at the end of the season. Here's my postseason top five. This is what I think the top five will be and should be at the end of the season. I have Alabama number one. They win the SEC. Clemson's number two. They win the ACC. Oklahoma will win the Big 12. They're in the, so they're in. And then number four or five, depending on who wins out. Notre Dame, if Notre Dame wins out completely and wins every game, I respect that. You know, I, I don't like Notre Dame. But I respect their schedule. They played a ton of ranked teams. So if Notre Dame can go undefeated the rest of this year, put them in the, the conference, put them in the college football playoff. I don't like it. I don't like them. But they've earned it because they played a really tough schedule. I respect that. But if Ohio State wins out and Notre Dame loses, or if Penn State wins out and Notre Dame loses, or if Wisconsin goes undefeated, obviously they're in. But... A Big Ten team should be in the college football playoff. They play too tough of a schedule, and they're the best conference in college football. You should not leave the Big Ten out of the college football playoff. Um, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I want to talk about LeBron James. I'm going to leave it at that. There's something interesting about LeBron James I want to talk about. Coming up later, um, could WSU, Washington State football, get a new quarterback? I believe they will. We will discuss that in a minute. My name is Zach Shelmer. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. And if you like the show, I think I make a good product. If you like the show, tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I'll be right back. During the baseball season, I was very intentional to say that I did not hate analytics. 
I think analytics in baseball has absolutely its place. I think analytics and numbers, statistics, they all have a place within sports. But my one criticism of analytics is that some players defy analytics. Some players defy logic and defy the numbers. And LeBron is one of those people. LeBron James had 57 points on Friday night against the Wizards. LeBron is just one of those people who defies all reasonable logic. LeBron James is 32 years old. And he's in his 15th NBA season. And yet he is still... His 15th season in the NBA, still the best player in the world. LeBron is the best player in the world, and I, in my opinion, the best player ever to play this game. LeBron James is the best basketball player ever to play this game, and 100% the best player still in the world in his 15th season. It's incredible. It really is. We need to appreciate LeBron James. I'm going to give you some statistics. I'm going to tell you why LeBron James is so incredible. Last year in his 14th season, uh, sorry, LeBron James is 33 years old. My bad. Last year in his 14th season, LeBron James led the league in minutes. He was on the court more than anybody else in the entire NBA in his 14th season in the NBA. That's incredible. And, And given LeBron James only played in 74 of the 82 games. So he took eight games off and still led the league in minutes. That's unbelievable. And it's really difficult. We try to compare LeBron James and Michael Jordan all the time. But it's really hard to compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James. One of those reasons is because Michael Jordan, halfway through his career, took a break. You know, Michael Jordan came into the league late. He came in at 21. Whereas LeBron James came in at 19 years old. And MJ left the league at 30 years old. MJ burned out. He went and played baseball for God knows what reason. But the numbers are all skewed. Michael Jordan's 15th season was when he was 39. So the numbers are way off. But I want to talk about this because you cannot compare Michael Jordan's 15th season to LeBron James' 15th season. Because one was 39 years old playing for the Wizards and one is 33 years old playing for a really good Cavaliers team. You just It's not fair. It's not a fair comparison. But what you can do is compare... LeBron James at 32 years old and Michael Jordan at 32 years old. So Michael Jordan averaged 37.7 minutes per game. That's incredible. That's also what LeBron James averaged last year, 37.8.1 higher minutes per game. But here's another statistic that's really interesting. LeBron James is actually a better shooter at 32 years old. Last year, LeBron James shot 54% of his uh, 54% field goal percentage. Whereas Michael Jordan only shot a 49% field goal percentage. Not to mention, LeBron James is about to shatter all of MJ's records. LeBron James is going to finish his time in this league holding pretty much every statistical record in the books. Not to mention again, his 15th season, he's the best player in the world and he's not slowing down at all. It drives me nuts. LeBron James is an anomaly. We're never going to see a guy this dominant, this late into his career ever again. Kind of like Tom Brady's an incredible talent. We're never going to see a guy like Tom Brady who's 40, almost 41 years old, still killing it. Like, I think Tom Brady could play till he's 45 at quarterback, which is, I mean, that's unbelievable. And I could see LeBron James playing 
well into his, I, I don't even, he, could he play till he's 40? Could he play at a high level till he's 38? LeBron James is dominating. His, he's incredible. His physical shape is, he's like a specimen. It's like they developed LeBron James in some kind of test tube. LeBron James is unbelievable. The fact that he's still in his 15th, he's in his 15th season and he's still the best player in the world is absolutely remarkable and should be celebrated. I think LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Hey, I get it. If you're still nostalgic for Michael Jordan, fine. But we should all appreciate what LeBron James is doing right now is unbelievable. I want to shift gears. Um, There's a quarterback named Jacob Eason. He's a stud quarterback. Jacob Eason is amazing. He's from my home state of Vancouver. He's from my home state of Washington. He lives about, I think, 30 minutes north of Seattle. Um, he was in the Elite 11. He's a stud. Out of high school, Jacob Eason committed to University of Georgia, where Jacob Eason started as a true freshman last year at Georgia. And he had some unbelievable wins. Jacob Eason really helped Georgia. He, he had some late games. I think he beat Tennessee with a last minute drive. He was their starter going into week one this year. And in week one of the college football season, Jacob Eason got hurt. And once Jacob Eason got hurt, they started a true freshman, Jake Fromm. Now, Jake Fromm took his spot. He stepped into the injury. He's been playing well. Looks like he's never going to give it back. And then this last weekend, Justin Fields... A, the number one quarterback in high school in the nation just committed to Georgia. So we're going to have f- three five-star recruits in, from three consecutive years at University of Georgia, which tells me Jacob Eason's probably the odd man out. And Jacob Eason should transfer away from Georgia. That's what I think is going to happen. There's a lot of speculation. He's, of course, not going to say anything until the end of the year. Just like Max Brown, USC's quarterback, waited till the year was over. And then said, look, I'm transferring to Pittsburgh. I'm done. We're going to see the same exact thing from Jacob Eason. Now, Jacob Eason has three pretty big, pretty good options where he could transfer. He could transfer to WSU, my home school. He could transfer to University of Washington. So Washington State, University of Washington, or University of Miami. I'm going to go through all the options and tell you where I think he's going to go. We'll start with my favorite school, my home school, Washington State University. Jacob Eason and Mike Leach could be really, really interesting. Jacob Eason has an incredible arm. He's huge. He's not overly athletic, but he can move a little bit. And Jacob Eason really, really can throw the ball. So Jacob Eason and Mike Leach's system, woo, that could be crazy. Now, the timing isn't great. Um, So the way it would work is Jacob Eason would have to take a year off. And in his year off, likely Tyler Holinsky, the backup quarterback right now at WSU, would move in and become the starting quarterback. Holinsky is a redshirt sophomore right now. Next year, he'll be a junior. The year after that, the year that Jacob Eason would finally be able to come to WSU, Holinsky would be a senior. So it's pretty unlikely, I would think, that Jacob Eason could come in and beat out Tyler Holinsky. It's very possible. We've seen Mike Leach. I mean, he's gone as far as benching. Luke Falk. So, I mean, he, he clearly he just plays whoever's best at the moment. Um, but another thing we can't, you know, and we can't be afraid of competition, but we should be worried about, does he really want to play for Mike Leach? Yeah, you would think every quarterback, of course he would want to play for Mike Leach. You get to throw the ball a million times. Um, but I get the sense, 
And, and again, I would love to sit down with Mike Leach. I think Mike Leach would be an amazing interview. I want to get a beer with him someday. He never will, but it would be incredible because he's just one of those guys. He has so much to say and he's so interesting and fascinating. But I think it's very possible and very likely Mike Leach is a hard guy to work with. I get that sense. He benched the best quarterback in the history of WSU two times this season. I don't know that I'd want to work with Mike Leach. I get that sense. He's not a great guy to work with. So um, he doesn't go to WSU. What about UW? UW's also pretty likely. Um, Honestly, if I'm transferring, even as a WSU fan, I'm going to get so much hate for this. I know I'm a bad fan. If I had to choose between WSU and UW to play football, and if I'm from Seattle, I'm going to UW. My family can come watch me. It's a better football program. Chris Peterson, UW's coach, is honestly a genius. And UW is actually capable of competing at a national level, where WSU athletically is not. WSU has average athletes and average size. UW is better athletes, a little better size, and the timing works better. Jake Browning would graduate, and Jacob Eason could come right in and become the starting quarterback. Because he'll be a junior next year. He's a junior this year. Jake Browning will be a senior next year. Jacob Eason comes in, takes the job. So UW's more likely than WSU, in my opinion. Now, the most likely team for Jacob Eason to go to is University of Miami. I've talked many times about Mark Richt. Mark Richt is, he was unjustly fired from Georgia. Mark Richt averaged 10 wins every season he's been in college football. He's an amazing coach. He really is. Um, And in fact, the weekend before Mark Richt got fired from Georgia, Mark Rick was visiting Jacob Eason up in Seattle. And Mark Rick got the call. He got fired that weekend. But the guys appeared really close. He, Mark Rick had no idea he was getting fired. He was visiting his quarterback recruit, who he loved. And because you know Mark Rick wasn't coaching anywhere the next year, Jacob Eason said, look, I'm going to stay at Georgia, I guess. Um, so the two appear really close. Now, the timing at Miami is very key. He gets to go work with a coach he likes and... Malik Rozier, the quarterback right now at Miami, is a junior. He's a junior this year. Next year, he'll be a senior. Then when he's gone, there'll be an opening and Jacob Eason can slide right in and become the starting quarterback at Miami. Mark Richt is fantastic. He's a great coach. And the guys have a close relationship. And and already once has Jacob Eason made this decision. He already picked, instead of UW, he picked Mark Richt. Very clear, Jacob Eason would rather play for Mark Richt than Chris Peterson in UW. He already made that decision once before when he left high school. So Jacob Eason, I would love to have you at WSU. You'd be a fantastic addition. Um, I do think we have Connor Neville. Connor Neville is uh, a quarterback that no one's talking about, but Connor Neville will probably be our starter down the road. Connor Neville is a great backup quarterback we have. Um, But Jacob Eason, uh, I think he's going to Miami. So we have WSU has Connor Neville. UW has whoever they have, uh, and I think Jacob Eason is going to go to University of Miami and play for Mark Richt. When I return, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I want to talk about the Heisman. There's a really interesting Heisman race going on. I have a person I've already chosen who will be the winner. Subscribe to this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and tell your friends about this podcast. I think it's really good. I really enjoy making it. If you enjoy listening to it, Tell your friends about the show. It's very easy. You say, hey, guys, do you listen to – you find out, hey, my friend Jimmy listens to a podcast. And you say, hey, hey, Jimmy, 
I know you love podcasts. This guy I know, Zach Schaumler, has a great podcast. I recommend you listen to it. It's about 30 minutes. Posts on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Go check it out. I'll be right back. Did anybody catch what just happened? In the middle of the last segment, a fly flew in my nose. And I didn't stop. I just kept going. I was like, I'm going to finish this out. I should, Oh, I could have just cut it. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, but I wanted to hey, just keep going and truck on through. I want to talk about the Heisman race. And then after that, the biggest surprise in the NFL this year. But first off, I believe the Heisman race is over. It's pretty clear who should win. Saquon Barkley, Bryce Love, and JT Barrett are all out. They're all done. This last weekend, Saquon Barkley had 63 yards and no touchdowns. Bryce Love, I watched Bryce Love's game, the Stanford running back, from the sideline. He had one big touchdown of 52 yards, and that was it. Otherwise, Bryce Love got pretty much absolutely shut down by the Washington State defense. And JT Barrett, man, I don't know. I don't know what happened. My man JT Barrett just threw an egg out. Oh, my goodness. He had 208 yards, three touchdowns, but four. Four horrendous interceptions. It was terrible. It was really awful. And it's very clear. Even before this week, it was clear. But even now, the separation is very clear. Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback and the best football player in the nation. Baker Mayfield's playing at another level. In fact, here's, here's how different Baker Mayfield was. This last week, he had 598 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, compare that to everybody else in the Heisman race. Uh, you can't. There's nothing there. Baker Mayfield is the best player. He's gutsy. He's scrappy. And Baker Mayfield is a winner. I love Baker Mayfield. I love what he's about. In fact, Baker Mayfield is the reason. Baker Mayfield is the sole reason why Oklahoma is in place to make the college football playoff. You know, Baker Mayfield breaks all the college football rules. I've said this all season that college football and the NFL are very different. You need a quarterback to win in the NFL. You can't win without one. Whereas college football, it's about, in the NFL, the, co- the quarterback is the most important thing. In college football, the coach is the most important thing. You have a coach who recruits good talent, then the talent wins you games. And if you have a good quarterback, great. It's like the third most important thing. It's coach, talent, quarterback. Normally, quarterbacks cannot elevate average to pretty good rosters into being fantastic, great rosters. But Baker Mayfield is special. Baker Mayfield elevates everybody around him. I don't know how Baker Mayfield translates to the NFL. Probably not good. I have serious concerns about Baker Mayfield's arm strength. Um, But man, I love, love, love Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's attitude... That is a leader I want. His arm strength does scare me. But I really don't care if Baker Mayfield's short. Short quarterbacks, who cares? Russell Wilson's short. Doesn't matter. Doesn't affect anything. If you can play, you can play. Arm strength worries me. But I'll say this. Baker Mayfield has defied the odds at every stop in his college football career. Every stop, not just in college football. I think he might continue that in the NFL. Baker Mayfield walked on not only at Texas Tech, but he then walked on at Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield would get some kind of NFL opportunity. I know people aren't high on him. I don't think I'm very high on him, but I want him to be great because he is so full of gusto and so full of just this competitive spirit. 
I think it's pretty likely that when Baker Mayfield gets an NFL opportunity, he could absolutely seize it. We fall so in love with Joe Flacco, the tall 6'5", arm strength quarterback that just can gun the ball in, and he looks the part, and he's tall, and ugh. Um, How's Joe Flacco doing? He's not doing that great. Joe Flacco's very overwhelmingly average. Joe Flacco's big, tall, huge arm. He has no drive. There's no competitive spirit. When's the last time you saw a clip of Joe Flacco going, just freaking out, looking all excited and happy, ready to go? Baker Mayfield, like Braveheart. Baker Mayfield's the guy I want to follow into battle. And that's what I want at a quarterback. So even though I'm very worried about Baker Mayfield's arm strength, and I do think he's the Heisman, and that even hurts him because when's the last time a Heisman winner was actually a great NFL quarterback? I don't think it's happened recently, but I would follow Baker Mayfield into battle, and that's the quarterback I want on my NFL roster. There's a huge—one thing in the NFL this year was a huge, huge surprise. It surprised me. I said huge a lot. Was that like Donald Trump? That's not great. I was very, very wrong about the NFC South. I'm not afraid of being wrong. You know, the show is called Strong Opinion Sports, and when you have strong opinions, you're wrong. Often. My goal on the show is to be interesting, not right. If I was trying to be right all the time, I would probably kill myself. I would I would never be good at this show. Um, but I've said from the beginning of the year, the NFC South was one of the best divisions in college football, in, in the NFL. That's what I said. I said the NFC South was one of the best divisions in the NFL, and man, was I wrong. I was dead wrong about this. The Falcons are off. The Panthers have inconsistent and emotionally unstable Cam Newton. So that means if your quarterback's emotionally unstable, so is your football team. If your quarterback's all over the place, your football team will be as well. And that's what the Panthers are. And I, I really thought the Buccaneers were going to have a breakthrough season this year, but they have not. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done nothing to impress me. It's just very mediocre and sad, really. It, it's depressing because I thought this was their year, and it's clearly not. But somehow, somehow against all the odds, uh, and very quietly, very sneakily, the New Orleans Saints are 6-2. and two, And the New Orleans Saints have won six games in a row. That's unbelievable. The Saints started out 0-2. The Saints were, I wrote the Saints off after two weeks. I said, oh, they're 0-2, their season's over. That never, they never will make the playoffs. I mean, they have Drew Brees, he's 38. At 38 years old. 38 years old and still dominating in the NFL. That's unbelievable. I talked about LeBron. I talked about Tom Brady. No one's giving credit to Drew Brees. I say people get bored with success. Drew Brees is a prime example of that. We are bored with Drew Brees' success because he's so good every year. We expect Drew Brees to be great. But here are the numbers. Drew Brees, 2,214 yards, 13 touchdowns, and a whopping 71% 71% completion percentage. The best in the NFL. And he's up there with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, 23 touchdowns. Tom Brady, 16. Russell Wilson, 17. Brees has a better completion percentage than all of them. Comparable yards. Drew Brees is killing it. And yet Drew Brees is not getting any talk. No one's saying, look how good Drew Brees is doing. Because we're bored with success. The big surprise about the Saints is this. I was ready to give up on them. When the Saints were 0-2, I was done. I was ready to ship Sean Payton out of town. I thought that New Orleans Saints coach was done. Adrian Peterson wasn't working. 
The Saints were 0-2. The season was over. And yet they trade Adrian Peterson, and suddenly the Saints go on and win six straight games. But here's the real key to the Saints. I know Sean Payton's awesome. I know Drew Brees is dominating right now. The reason the Saints are doing so well is their defense. Their offense is always good. We expect the Saints' offense to be fantastic. But Drew Brees and a good defense, that is unstoppable. And their defense is really, really playing well this year. They don't need to be the best defense in the NFL. The Saints have Drew Brees. They don't need the the defense to dominate. But their corners are winning on the outside. They're getting pressure from their pass rush. They don't need to be legendary. They just need to be capable. Because when you have Drew Brees, you just need to be competent on defense. And the Saints are competent, which means the Saints are now Super Bowl contenders. The Saints could now put themselves into the conversation. Because the Saints have one of the best. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame coach, and really good defense. Saints, Eagles, that's a great game. I hope to watch that. I saw this week. I don't know when, if they ever play this year. But down the road, Saints, Seahawks. Saints-Eagles. The Saints are a legitimate football team, and I'm really excited to see what they do with the rest of their year. It's time to panic in Denver. You know, I argued last week how you know Paxton Lynch is not a great quarterback. He's not the future. No one believes in him. He's not very good. We got really solid evidence and proof that Paxton Lynch is not what everyone thinks he is. No, no, does, no one, does anyone believe in him? My buddy Drake believes in him. I think Drake might be the only person in the entire world to think Paxton Lynch is any good. But here's the evidence that Paxton Lynch is terrible. This week, the Broncos played Brock Osweiler. Yeah, they benched Trevor Simeon. But Paxton Lynch wasn't even the next guy up. They played Brock Osweiler before they played Paxton Lynch, which means Paxton Lynch is clearly a joke. He's no good. He's awful. You can't even start... Trevor, you can't even start Paxton Lynch over Brock Osweiler? Come on. Somehow, some way, the Broncos need to find a way to get a quarterback this offseason. Maybe they trade with the Colts. I don't know, but the Broncos need to be in panic mode because they do not have a quarterback of the future, and they have a great roster with a great defense that is aging, and they need to find a way to win soon because their roster is going to get old, and they need to capitalize now while their defense is fantastic. So the Colts, or sorry, the Broncos are really in trouble. The Broncos need to find a way. If I'm a Broncos fan, I'm saying, look, trade the farm. Get me Sam Darnold. Get me Josh Rosen. Get me something because we need a quarterback to win right now before our guys are done and old. Man, I'm so excited. NFL buy or sell on Wednesday is going to be fantastic. The Redskins are interesting. The AFC South is incredibly interesting. The Saints are good. My goodness, I'm really, really excited for NFL buy or sell on Wednesday. I want to end the show with this. Growing up, uh, I played baseball for a, a great, great, fantastic coach. My coach was supportive. When we screwed up, he would get on us. He would yell at us, but he loved us, and he really cared about us. And you could tell, you could tell, Rick Reifenrath really cared about me. Rick Reifenrath loved me. He was a great coach. And the coach I had growing up previously was... Not a great coach. I watched. I would watch guys get yelled at when they would strike out. What are you doing? How could you strike out? And it ruined these poor kids' confidence. You watch kids when when uh, when a young kid strikes out, and then gets yelled at and screamed at and chewed out. 
Not Rick Reifenrath. Rick Reifenrath is an amazing coach. Different, this is a different guy I'm talking about. But when you watch a kid get chewed out after striking out, usually, not always, usually they sink. It takes it out of them. It really hurts your confidence. It hurts your trust in yourself, and it makes you feel awful. Rick Reifenrath had this amazing ability to, he would yell at you, but he would challenge you, Zach, you're so much better than this. Come on, Zach. When I would strike out, I was the worst batter on my team. Always, always. And Rick knew how to get the best out of me. Rick would say, look, Zach, come on, man. You're better than that. I believe in you. It was one of those rare opportunities where yelling at someone actually did something productive. But 95% of the time when you yell at someone, it shuts them down. It doesn't work. This weekend, the Seahawks kicker Blair Walsh missed three field goals. Blair Walsh is absolutely the reason why the Seahawks lost. Now, I watched Blair Walsh at halftime kick over and over again, trying to kick field goals, trying to fix what's going on with Blair Walsh. And Blair Walsh couldn't figure it out. He missed a ton of field goals, and he was the difference in the game. But here's where I'm calling out Seahawks fans. If you screwed up and someone yelled at you, would you get better or would you get worse? Because there's only that 1% of the population that gets better when they're yelled at. Very rare. It doesn't happen. Most people shut down. When Blair Walsh missed two field goals, he started getting booed. That's not going to help you. That is not going to help your kicker make field goals. doesn't help his confidence. That doesn't make him any better. That just hurts him. So now next time, when you're booing him when he's going to kick a field goal, he's, he's really got that on his mind too. You're complicating things. You're making it more difficult for your guy to be successful. Just like usually yelling at a guy makes it more difficult for them to be successful. Booing your kicker is never the right thing. I will never support that. You're making it more difficult for him to be successful. So Seahawks fans, you made a huge mistake on Sunday. You should not have booed your kicker, Blair Walsh. It's not how you encourage someone and inspire someone to do a good job. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. I put my, my ugly mug on YouTube. I record this video uh, as well. Tell your friends about this show. It's very easy. You find out, hey, Dave likes podcasts. Hey, Dave, I listen to this podcast called Strong Opinion Sports by this guy named Zach Schaumler. He's kind of a dumb kid, kind of has a lisp, but the guy knows sports. He makes a good podcast. You should check it out. Very simple. That's how that conversation goes. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. We are growing Um, I'd love to grow faster. I'm really excited. The show posts Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of the week. I have had the hardest semester of my life in school, but guess what? Your boy Zach is now totally done with almost every, he has one paper due. I have one paper due and I'm done until Thanksgiving break, and that feels amazing. I'm way ahead in school, which means Wednesday is going to be awesome. Friday is going to have a great show. I have time to prepare and do a great, make a great product. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody.